The True Crime Society podcast contains adult themes and violence and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. If you'd like to skip the intro, please refer to the timestamp listed in the episode description. Thank you. What's up, guys? Ugh, I didn't have that. <laughs> What's up, guys? Welcome back to another True Crime Society. What am I saying? <laughs> What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the True Crime Society podcast with Stephanie and Olivia. I don't know why my brain's not working. Well, I do know why. It's just it's a long day, as always. Yeah. Big day of recording. We're, we're here. We're doing it. <laughs> it's going. <laughs> it's been a big week um we had our gypsy episode come out and as we mentioned in that it was before her lifetime special came out so i did take note of a few new things to mention um i watched gypsy's lifetime special i watched the whole thing it was really good i do recommend watching it if you have access to lifetime or they probably have an app that you can log in with a cable provider so you can always steal someone else's information to watch it. <laughs> um, that's what I do. But even if you know the story already, there's not like a ton of new information, at least for the first half of it anyways. It's the story that we all know, but there is some clarification on a few things. Um, I might have edited out the episode. I honestly don't remember. But when we recorded the episode, we were talking about how they mentioned Aditi was poisoning her stepmother with Roundup. And I was like, how would they even know that? Like, how'd they figure that out? Like, Because they were just suspicious about it. And apparently it was said that they had the Roundup in the garage and Gypsy was in there. And she was littler at the time that this was going on. And she pointed to the Roundup and said that, like, oh, those are grandma's vitamins or something basically insinuating that Dee Dee was putting those in her stepmom grandma's whatever's food and must have at some point told gypsy that they were her vitamins or something and that's why she was putting it in the food so that's wow. kind of how they started to catch on to that so i think she talked about she did talk more about how she was addicted to drugs to an extent she would steal um she'd go to that big medicine closet that we talked about and she would steal Vicodin and pain pills. And she took those a lot to just kind of drug herself so that she felt better about everything that was going on. She also talked about in jail, she was doing drugs, but then eventually stopped when she started to feel guilty because she was getting money from her family to basically buy drugs and she felt bad. Another thing, the people we were wondering who called cps on them it was actually one of the pediatricians that gypsy was seeing and that was the person that called cps when the cops came to the house but dd Dee Dee talked them out of really looking into anything and said that everything was fine i haven't actually been able to watch it yet here because it's still not available as far as i can tell in australia but <clears throat> i feel like a lot of people have said there's not actually any real bombshells just a lot of you know small clarifications and little bit little bits of extra info about things that we kind of already knew yeah, like it just made things like, oh, okay, that makes sense. That understands but the, that, yeah. The last couple episodes were the most interesting because that was the most current ones. Um, 
another thing was this was like crazy to me that I'd never heard before. I don't know if she talked about it in anything else because I haven't watched everything, but I did watch the bigger documentaries. She talked about how after like the first time she gypsy tried to run away and her mom smashed her computer and got her to come back and like chained her to the bed. Another thing that Dee Dee actually did was put a voodoo hex on Gypsy where she got a mason jar, took pictures of Gypsy, put it in the mason jar, put a cow tongue in there and some of Gypsy's period blood and buried it in the backyard and told Gypsy that that was a voodoo hex and that Gypsy was now never going to be happy and that she would never find love and she would just be miserable for the rest of her life. So, I mean, obviously that's crazy, but... (laughs) In the situation that Gypsy was in, and she says still to this day, like, she worries about it a little. Yeah, that the hex actually worked a little bit. Yeah, mm. just – and when she was talking about it, she, she doesn't cry often, but that was one of the things that made her cry, so it seems to have really stuck with her. We mentioned in the episode how she had said that her grandfather sexually abused her, and the grandfather was like, no, she – at four years old, she was trying to touch me, and I – Notice that what I thought was interesting is they show they would have the producer talk like you know you could hear the producer in the background asking the producer, the questions yeah yeah asked him about it and said Gypsy said something about I don't remember the exact question but she just said abuse like Gypsy was talking about some abuse that she experienced here the producer didn't say sexual or anything like that I mean maybe it was edited out but the grandfather was the one who immediately like turned it to sexual abuse it was like no 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 she she was trying to touch me like i never touched her so i just thought it was interesting because if you just say abuse that could, could be anything be regular yeah. abuse like yeah. hitting so i thought it was interesting that he went straight to that we were all wondering because there's pictures of gypsy when she got out of prison without her shoes the shoes that Ryan br- brought her didn't fit her. So that's why she wasn't wearing shoes in some pictures. And then she was out buying shoes where people saw her buying shoes and were taking pictures with her. They didn't fit, as we thought. <laughs> um, what a bombshell. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I only say it because so many people are like, where are her shoes? <laughs> um, so I thought the most interesting was all the relationship drama and things like that. Very on brand for me. I love some gossip. So she, in the last two episodes, even if you don't want to watch the whole thing, it's hard to say. I think it's two episodes but because they would play two a night, but it was all as one thing, but it's technically two episodes a night. So last two is her like getting out of jail. She talks about her relationship with Ryan, like how they met, getting engaged, getting married, all that, which was really interesting. She also talks about, which I totally forgot about, that she was engaged in prison once before. To Ken. Yeah. And that was a difficult breakup for her because it was they broke up because he didn't couldn't deal with like the spotlight of the I'm dating Gypsy Rose, couldn't deal with all the media attention. But she like really loved him, it seemed like, and had a really hard time getting over him. So that they were playing some prison phone calls between Gypsy and Ryan of her talking about kind of like her ex and how she was having second thoughts about getting married. And then Ryan was like, when's the last time you talked to him? And she was like, a week ago or something. And he then called Gypsy like a liar. So it showed some of their fights about her ex-boyfriend, how she was talking to him. Then she said that she was just getting closure and she was like never going to talk to him again. And she wants to be with him. All that. So, you know, then they got married. He actually does seem 
like a nice guy. He was pretty well spoken. Didn't give me like a dirtbag vibe or anything. So, I mean, I hope he is a good guy and I hope it works out for them. But uh, I almost am like, she's going to eat him alive though. I've seen so many people now commenting like on Facebook statuses and things like this isn't going to end well. Not even so much their relationship, but just this whole gypsy PR push isn't going to end well. Um, Yeah, she is. I always think this. I've thought this in her last, her earlier interviews and stuff too, like in the HBO documentary. She is very well spoken. I think she talks about what she went through with a lot of self-awareness and she does seem to have some insight i'm people act like she's they're like she needs therapy i'm assuming she did therapy in her nine years in prison i have read and i don't know if this is true but i have read that she was offered therapy and apparently turned it down and i don't know like that might just be once like but at some point she apparently did turn down therapy so i hope that she is getting some or has had some at some point but yeah i know i just assume she did because some of the stuff that she was saying made it sound like you know like she went to therapy but yeah i do think she's well spoken i she doesn't like put a bad taste in my mouth. I don't think she's being like a dirtbag or looking for fame necessarily. Like she's got to make her money somehow. Get yeah. it while it's hot. She has um, no, like she doesn't have any other, I guess, qualifications. This is what she's qualified to speak about is her own personal experience. So yeah. So obviously people are going to hate on her. I've seen crazy comments, just how she is a piece of shit and shouldn't have any attention. because She murdered someone. I think there's a lot of nuance to the situation so i don't know some people just don't want to think critically about it i guess no it's i've seen some interesting discussion and comments too like there's people who feel very strongly on both sides um so it's interesting Mm -hmm. to read the i guess polarized comments yeah and the last thing i wrote down was because we were talking about how we're like there's no way that ryan's gonna be able to keep his teaching job I guess when he started dating her, he did get fired from whatever teaching job he had at the time. But it was because it was it was either like a private school or a Catholic school where they would care more about those things. Yeah. That was before the Instagram comments because then he has since gotten another job teaching somewhere. So I don't know about that current job, but he did lose a teaching job in the past because he was dating Gypsy. And that's really mm. it. That's all the notes I have. <laughs> yeah. So we had some people messaging us and tell us telling us they watched as well. But yeah, interesting be interesting to see if now everything kind of dies down or what she does to I guess keep herself in the public eye and now that this you know I'm no doubt there'll be other things she's working on yeah I mean this will come out a week from now so I hope it's not too outdated people were messaging us saying they either don't have lifetime live in Australia can't watch for whatever reasons and just wanted us to recap any of the newer information so that was really it I mean if you can watch it I'd recommend at least the last couple episodes or the whole thing i thought it was well done it was good kept my interest even though i've heard the story a billion times now would recommend another thing we can recommend to watch um is undercover caught on tape it's on a and e on thursdays at 10 9 central so i believe tonight like the day this episode comes out i think the second episode will be on on a and e Undercover Caught on Tape is basically about the lives of undercover police officers. You can watch audio and visual interviews and kind of keep up with them in the heat of the moment. It's a really, really interesting show. Yeah, so check that out on A&E on Thursdays at 10, 9 Central and let us know what you think. It's a pretty cool show. Um, Anyways, so that's that's our intro. I'm sorry for the people who like chat. We were both like, we don't really have anything to chat about. I feel like this episode is going to be like deceivingly long. Yeah. So figured we would just get onto it. If you do really like 
hearing us chat, you can join our Patreon. I think it is a, a very fair price. It is like what you said, like a dollar a week. A dollar a week. And you get an extra episode, no ads, and a little bit more chat. <laughs> yeah, we definitely dick around and chat more on there, which is fun. So if you feel like you want more chat in your life, check us out over there. But I'm sure we'll have plenty of things to chat about next week. Yeah. We're going to be talking about two missing person cases today out of Nebraska. That's Tyler Goodrich and and Jake Clark. Both very recent happened at the end of last year. Um, mysterious. All the things that we find intriguing with missing persons cases. Um, so I'll start with Tyler Goodrich. That one's going to be the bulk of the episode because it's the more lengthy one. There's more information out about it. We want to let you know tonight at 10 o'clock, we're going to have an exclusive interview with the husband of Tyler Goodrich. Tyler, as many of you know, has been missing since November 3rd. Uh, no trace of him. Investigators are stumped. Well, tonight, his husband, Marshall Vogel, speaks out for the first time. Where do you think he went when he left? I have no, I, I just have no idea. Um, I, I don't know. Um, when he left the house, he left the house and I was on the phone with 911. Um, anything after that, I'm, I just don't know. And I don't, there's enough speculation all over the internet um, that I don't need to speculate on that. We just need to, we need Tyler to come home. Tyler and Marshall have been married for six years now, and they adopted two teenage boys. Tyler disappeared from their home at Southwest 11th and West Burnham on Friday, November 3rd. Marshall says it all started with a family movie night, but then things took a turn for the worst. And then the rest of the night happened. Um, we got into an argument, and I ended up calling 911, and Tyler left out of the garage. Thousands of people have helped search for Tyler during the past several weeks, but so far, investigators say they have no answers to what happened to him. So Tyler Goodrich, he is a 35-year-old man who went missing in Nebraska in November 2023, so very recent, like we were saying. Um, to this day, he is still missing, and basically, he got into a fight with his partner, ran out of his house during the fight and was never seen again. This is one I have actually followed from the start and I have been hesitant to cover it because I just thought surely he's going to be found tomorrow, you know, but now we're, you know, two months into it and he's still not found. It's very unusual. Yeah, it's definitely a strange one, just like they all are. <laughs> I'm mean, like, I need to stop being like, it's so weird. It's so strange. They're all strange. Yeah. Um, we'll get into some background about Tyler. He was born on April 2nd, 1988. He was raised in Nebraska and he has three sisters and a younger brother. Their names are Jenny, Angie, Jordan, and Felicia. His father, Lonnie, spoke to Dateline about his son. He said, when he was in elementary, our, our cooks always provide cookies to the kids at lunchtime. So Tyler came home one weekend and said, dad, the cooks make us cookies every day. Can we make cookies for the cooks? So he made cookies so Tyler could take them to the cooks just to repay them for their kindness. He was just a good person. I would say he was always a champion of the underdog. He always had short red hair and freckles, and, and back then he was a little bit more chubby. 
<laughs> Lonnie, who's his dad, who that they were quotes from him, he seems to have been the family kind of spokesperson. You'll see a lot of interviews and comments from him about this case online. So Tyler grew up in Bennett, Nebraska. He attended Bennett Elementary in Palmyra High School, where he played golf and basketball along with running cross country. Tyler's friend Rachel has spoken to the media about his love of running. Rachel also seems to be very involved. Like she was in the interview with the dad that I saw. I believe she is the person who created the Facebook group for Tyler, which is pretty active. And I have also listened to a police podcast about this case and she was on there. So she is, I guess, the friend spokesperson or one of them. Yeah. Um, She said he's really into running. So he's a marathoner. I would say decorated marathoner. He, you know, took good care of himself. After he finished school, he moved to Lincoln, which is 20 minutes away from Bennett. Tyler came out as gay when he was in his 20s. Tyler's friend Amanda Meyer spoke about that time in his life, and she said, That's probably the only time I've really felt Tyler carried a lot of fear is when he decided to let somebody else know. Um, His dad said, He persevered through everything. He pushed himself. He believed, I think, in excellence. He strove to be his best at things. He wanted to get his master's degree. He wanted to get his master's degree. It got in 14 weeks and four days. Talk about driven. He always told me he was going to be a warden. He said, I will end up being a warden someday. someday." So maybe that truly was his ultimate goal. Tyler considered enlisting in the Army but decided against it. He did enlist with the National Guard, and he worked at the Nebraska Department of Corrections in Omaha at the time of his disappearance. Lonnie said that Tyler was well-liked at work. He said he was well-liked in the department because everyone knew that Tyler was looking out for them. Around 2015, Tyler met a man named Marshall Vogel at a bar. Marshall did an interview with Dateline. He said, we met at a bar here in Lincoln, a gay bar, and I remember walking by him and he was just standing there. We made eye contact. That was it for us. He said, Tyler is a very driven person. He's very strong-willed, and if he set his mind to something, he was going to do it no matter what it was. The couple dated for two years before they got married. Marshall told Dateline, I always knew that I wanted kids and Tyler did too. We were going to adopt a younger child, foster to adopt. But before their license was approved, Marshall said they got a call from the agency. And Marshall said about this, he said, they said, we have a 14-year-old that can be there in three hours. Tyler and Marshall decided that it felt right for them to foster the boy. Talk about short notice. Three hours. Very quick. Marshall said they then began the adoption process about two years ago, and then they got another call. Marshall said, our youngest came to live with us before the first adoption was final. Marshall said, adding in that the two children actually are half-siblings, and Marshall said he was an addition to the family that we didn't know we needed. In the police podcast that I listened to where they when they interviewed them about Marshall and Tyler and basically they said that they asked the kids if they wanted to be adopted so they fostered them first and then I guess the kids were old enough to make that decision so they kind of included the kids in the discussion about the adoption like they, it seems like they were a very open and loving family. So like the kids had a good experience and wanted yeah. to live with them. Yeah. Lonnie, the father, he said adopting those two boys, he loves those boys. He is big on family. His dad then started reminiscing about um, a Halloween gathering that they had been to. It was actually the last time that he saw Tyler. He said, we always would do a pre-Halloween so that the grandkids could come in costume and we'd get to see them. I'd spoken with him, you know, on the phone and text, but I think that's the last, I think that's the last time I'd seen him. Tyler could never do this to us. He could not do it to his friends, to his coworkers, to his family. My son is dead. 
Um, he is not missing. His body is missing. Two things have to happen. His body has to be recovered or somebody has to confess. Somebody has to give out the information that they have so that we, you know, can have closure. And, and I pray for that. I mean, every day, every night, a hundred times a day. So the day that Tyler disappeared was Friday, November 3rd, 2023. Tyler went to work as usual and was seen by his coworkers. After a shift, he was seen on CCTV at Costco buying pizza for dinner for the family. And that was around 5.30 p.m. So Tyler then went home, parked his car in the garage. He tried to call a friend when he got home, and that call went unanswered. He was texting with a coworker, confirming about a speaking engagement for Saturday. Marshall and Tyler had been having some marital issues. Marshall said in the interview, things were tough. We, we both knew that we loved each other very much. It was just maybe our, maybe our marriage wasn't supposed to be forever. We talked about what a perfect night would be. And so Tyler said, a movie night with our kids and pizza and just hanging out. And so that's what we did. Marshall and Tyler's eldest son was at work that night. So it ended up being just the couple and their youngest son. At some point just before 7.45 p.m., Marshall and Tyler got into an argument about their relationship. The argument became heated to the point that Marshall felt the need to call 911. While he was on the phone, Tyler left their house on foot. Tyler took his Samsung phone and wallet with him. He was wearing gray shorts, a zip-up sweatshirt, and running shoes. He also was wearing his Samsung watch. You'd think they'd be able to track that a little better then, unless it was like Wi-Fi only. Like my watch is just Wi-Fi. So is mine, actually. Unless the phone's near it. Yeah. Tyler was seen on CCTV at 7.41 p.m. running. So this footage is out. I feel like the... the f- Nothing. <laughs> yeah, well. like, you see a person running. You just see their back. It's not very overly clear. I don't know if you thought the same in the footage, but it looks like maybe he's holding his phone up or something. Like, it looks like there's yeah. a light. Or could yeah, you could watch, see, like, a lit-up screen. Yeah, so like, but it's literally a few seconds of someone running footage. Like, that's all it is. And it's very dark, very grainy. It's not really. I, just, I guess the only thing is, if it is Tyler, it supports the fact that that's what he was doing at that time. Yeah. So police arrived at the house at 8 p.m. Um, Dateline also spoke with the investigator, Jeremy Schwarz of Lancaster County Sheriff's Office, and he confirmed that authorities were called to Tyler and Marshall's residence that evening to respond to a domestic disturbance. Um, he said a 911 call was placed by Marshall Vogel to the Lincoln Police Department and referenced an argument between he and his spouse. The call was received at 7.47 p.m., so the cops got there. Very quick. Like 15 minutes. minutes yeah. yeah. On the evening of November 3rd, 2023, the investigator said, we dispatched two patrol deputies to the residence to take a report of a domestic disturbance between Tyler and Marshall. And as a result of that, those deputies made contact with just Marshall. Marshall told police that he had made an audio recording of the argument. Investigator Schwartz said, it's an audio recording of an argument or I would more describe it as a conversation between Tyler and Marshall, which I thought was interesting because I feel like you're kind of downgrading the severity of it. Like it was yeah. clearly uncomfortable enough where Marshall felt like he needed to call 911. 
And also that he needed to make a recording for whatever type of proof or evidence or whatever. But Yeah. So I just thought it was interesting. Or, I don't know, maybe the cop was like, I'm giving out too much info. Let me just say discussion. Investigator Schwartz said when deputies arrived, Tyler was not present at the residence, and the deputies attempted to locate Tyler in and around the property. Um, The two deputies left about half an hour later. Police have said they checked Tyler's movements from earlier on that day. Investigator Schwartz said the folks The folks at Costco were great, and they provided us video surveillance of Tyler at Costco, confirming what we already know. He was picking up pizza for the family, and that occurred around 5.30 p.m. The investigator also noted that Tyler did not seem to be in any distress on the security video from Costco. He said he was dressed well. He did not look disheveled or unkempt. He was just a dad picking up a pizza and going home. He immediately went home, and that pizza was shared with his family. We believe that Tyler's Snapchat last shared his location around 7.45 p.m. that night and said that he was in the area of Southwest 10th and West Van Dorn, which is near their house because I think he was technically still at the house around then or just leaving the house around then. It kind of indicates if that was the last point that his phone shared that, that maybe right after that it was powered off or it died, Um, which may have even been what he was doing in that footage if he was running, he may have been turning the phone off. Yeah. The following day at 9.35 a.m. on November 4th, Marshall called police to let them know that Tyler still had not returned home. Investigator Schwartz said, so Saturday and Sunday, immediately following the report by Marshall, law enforcement worked side by side with the family. Tyler's family were very worried immediately. According to Lonnie, his son was very connected online and would never go very long without talking to someone. He said Tyler couldn't be off his phone for five minutes, and there's been zero communication since Friday, November 3rd. No mention of him, no sightings, no anything. His family said that Tyler has never done anything like this before. His friend Rachel agreed that Tyler would not leave without telling anyone about his plans. Rachel said he had signed up for a pretty big marathon in Lincoln the weekend he went missing, so he went missing on Friday night, and that Sunday was the Good Life Half Sea, which is a really big deal. In Lincoln. She said, it's a team event, so I believe there's three or four other runners like on your team, and obviously he didn't make it. She also said that Tyler didn't like to let people down and that he would always show up as promised. So I think she was trying to say, there's people on his team counting on him. He wouldn't abandon them. Yeah. And right before he'd made the text confirming his speaking engagement the next day, like it just seems like this is very out of character for him. Yeah. By Sunday, November 5th, a full-blown search had begun. They checked trails. Tyler was known to frequent, but there was no luck. Dad said nothing, not a shoe, not a shirt, not a phone, not anything. Nobody has ever used his credit card or debit card or nothing that has ever surfaced. There's nothing. Um, Rachel said, we were trying to connect with law enforcement as well, just so that they knew we were doing this. You know, they were great. They came out and kind of actually showed us how to conduct a search you know, what to do if we found any evidence. They also worked with the Lincoln Parks and Rec Department, who helped them create a virtual map that marked off which quadrants had been searched in the parks. Uh, Rachel explained, when you got done searching a certain area, you could click the link and almost highlight the area that you had just walked that quadrant. And what that did was it helped us show what parts had already been searched and what hadn't been searched. And then we shared the information with the sheriff's office so they knew, hey, we don't need to cover this portion of the Wilderness Park because this group of 100 people just did that. 
the response was immediate and huge. Within a few hours, we had, you know, a lot of people um, starting to search the areas and we were trying to connect with law enforcement as well, just so that they knew we were doing this. Um, you know, they were great. They came out and kind of actually showed us how to conduct a search, um, you know, what to do if we found any evidence. It has been great to see all of the the volunteers, the all the friends that Tyler works with, um, his family, um, and just, I mean, complete strangers going out and looking for him. I'm, I'm truly grateful for everything that they have done and the sheriff department has done. Rachel created a missing persons poster for Tyler. She said, we've worked with a local sign company, so there's yard signs everywhere. I mean, we went a lot door to door, handing them out, posting them on companies, you know, anywhere we could. They've heard from people around the country, as far as San Francisco even, that Tyler's poster made it that far. His father added in, we have a trucking company in town, and they put those posters in every truck, in every truck for them to have, but also to hand out if they leave at hubs. The um, police podcast I talked about earlier is the Lancaster County Sheriff's Office podcast. They interview Rachel and she talks about how in her corporate life, she's a public information officer. So that's how she kind of knew Uh, how to get the information out. Like she knew they, as soon as she found out he was missing, they went to, I think she said like Walgreens or something and made the flyers and gave them out. So they were on it very, very quickly. There wasn't much missed opportunity Um, obviously that night when they were all waiting for him to come home. But as soon as they found out the following day that he was missing, they all jumped to action very quickly. Yeah, that having a public information officer definitely helps. Mm. They know the steps to take. Investigator Schwartz confirmed that authorities have pulled out all the stops in the search for Tyler. He said, "We, we used the Nebraska State Patrol. They used their helicopters. So we were able to mutual aid with a partnering agency and they used their helicopter. We also have access to drones in our agency, so we used our drones to go up and try to locate Tyler. We used canines, but all with no success. Through searches with the family, searching nearby areas, and through aerial surveillance, we were just not able to locate Tyler. He also confirmed that no personal items of Tyler's had been found. Police also looked into Tyler's online presence. He said, Our lives are connected in so many ways to the digital world, and so that is one of the first places where we started is we started going after Tyler's digital footprint. And that can be anything and everything from cellular devices to social media to financial records, anything. His digital footprint at this point in time right now has gone dark. On Monday, November 6th, police served a search warrant at Tyler and Marshall's home. By this point, Marshall had retained an attorney named Sandy Pollack. Sandy instructed Marshall to give no more statements to law enforcement. Police said nothing of note was found in the home. And there's an article from KETV.com from November 7th, and it talks about Marshall's cooperation with the case and said, as of right now, deputies said Goodrich's husband is no longer giving information to the sheriff's office. Investigators didn't say whether Vogel is a suspect at this time. Vogel's defense attorney responded to that claim Tuesday afternoon, saying it is absolutely false that Mr. Vogel and his family are no longer cooperating with the investigation. I know this; it's trying to be twisted to sound bad. But I don't 
I don't think it's weird that he got an attorney at this no, point. No, I also don't. Like, he seems like a, they seem like a very educated couple. And like we've always said in a million other episodes, it's pretty much always the husband. I don't think it is in this case, but the husband or the partner is always the first one to be looked at. So I absolutely don't think it was strange that he got an attorney considering you know, public perception about what may have happened and, you know, even given his property being searched, I feel like it's a reasonable thing to do. And especially just giving statements to the media and every, like the fact that they're like, you're not giving any more statements to cops. That's just like a lawyer thing. I worked for lawyers. I know lawyers. Just casually, I've heard lawyers say, do not talk to the police without a lawyer, even if you're innocent. They're just like, do not do it. They will twist what you say. In this case, it's a shame that all this kind of happened, the back and forth where the police were saying they're not cooperating anymore because I feel like it created a lot of noise and mess that probably isn't related to the case, but it kind of skewed perception and um, do you know what I mean? Like it took took the focus away from actually probably what really did happen. Well, because a lot of people just hear that someone involved with the case gets an attorney and they're like, oh red flag but it's really it shouldn't be it's not no you want to protect yourself i feel like if it was Um, your child like just say for example if marshall was your son you'd be like absolutely get an attorney like you have to protect yourself as well even if you've done nothing wrong you have to you know look out for you and your child's best interests and they just help you manage like all the media stuff as well i feel like what got twisted with the police being like oh he's not cooperating or he's not speaking to police anymore i think it was he's not speaking to the police anymore without going through his attorney like it wasn't that they're like nope we're not speaking to you anymore but it's just that like he's working with an attorney now the good rich siblings are missing the middle child there's a huge hole this christmas it's been hard it's been exhausting jenny angie jordan and felicia are at the park near their parents home in lincoln where they'll try to fill the void this christmas like to bring 10 pounds of meat and cheese um, always had the, the most food um, all around, a, a good family man. Deputies believe this video shows Tyler's last sighting outside his home's driveway the night of November 3rd, after investigators say his conversation with his husband led to a 911 call and was reported missing by his spouse. We've never said he had anything to do with it. Hundreds helped with the search. Tyler's good friends and co-workers were integral in getting those organized. But the family says it's hard to stay hopeful. Somebody knows something, and we really need people to think back to that time frame. We need a break in the case so that we can bring Tyler home. An avid runner, he was supposed to run in the Good Life Havsey Marathon, according to a new story from Dateline. That gives a little national attention to Tyler and, and his story, and we're so appreciative of everybody. The siblings say Tyler's had no activity according to his bank accounts and social media. A Lancaster County Sheriff's Sergeant Thursday says the case is at a standstill, receiving numerous tips a day, but now officials are retracing digital and physical footsteps in what's described as a tough case. It's going to be hard. Hoping to shed some light, the Goodrich siblings hope for clarity. As much as we don't want to think about the sadness, we're going to be telling stories that remind us of the happy times when he is with us and the wonderful spirit that he brought with him, um, how much he made all of us feel loved, how much he loved our children. So the FBI was briefed on the case on Thursday, November 9th. Um, This day, Marshall and the couple's two children were interviewed again. On Monday, November 13th, police backtracked on their previous statements and said that Marshall was being 100% cooperative in the case. 
The damage has been done though, okay? Yeah. It's like a whole week basically of, you know, unnecessary aspersions cast on the family. Yeah. And we know how crazy people on Facebook can be once they <laughs> start like sniffing that trail. Yeah. So in December, after Tyler had been missing for around six weeks, both police and the family spoke about the CCTV footage of Tyler running. Um, Investigator Schwartz said, is the belief that the person on the video is Tyler running from the residence. Right now, based on everything we know, that person is Tyler. Rachel said, there was a blink camera that they had in the back of their house that Lonnie has seen, I've seen, it's now been public, of what we believe is Tyler leaving the house. Lonnie has said that he isn't certain the person in the footage is Tyler. Um, he said, it's a really grainy video. I mean, we all agreed that we wish it was more clear. It's very, very short, maybe a few seconds of someone leaving the back of the house, and that's about the extent of the video. Lonnie said that Tyler and Marshall have a big property. He said leaving in that direction would take you towards the barn and the animals. But once you go there, beyond there, it's terrible. He said that the terrain is very difficult to get through, especially in the dark. He said, especially to get out of that area, you'd have to cross through those tree lines. And they're not, I mean, I walked them more than once, and they're not ones that you can just walk through because you get caught by the thorny locust trees and the briars. So I just think it's interesting. Like, it's 99% Tyler, but I think it's interesting that he's like, mm, it might not be. Yeah. Maybe I guess it's just, just trying to hold on believe hope it. that yeah. he somehow maybe got in a car or I don't know. Like, there was that, they might, that would mean there's other options maybe as to what happened. Yeah. So police have reviewed other camera and footage from neighbors from that night. Investigator Schwartz said the remaining video that we've captured doesn't show Tyler. So Marshall told the media that law enforcement had regular access to the family property to conduct searches. Marshall said they could basically come and go as they please. We've all listened to enough datelines and so they could do anything they needed to to figure out where he was, what happened and all of that. Marshall also said, I knew that one of the first things they needed to do was rule me out. They were all over the place and I wouldn't change any of that. Marshall has also spoken about the speculation that he faced and I guess his sons faced as well. He said the beginning of it was really rough and terrible. Everyone, they always suspect the spouse. I do know that the sheriff's department was just doing their job. In late December, Investigator Schwartz did confirm again that Marshall and the family had been completely cooperative. He said, there's a lot of emotions that are driving a lot of what was happening in that first 96 hours. And I will tell you, once we were able to work through that situation and talk with Marshall and his attorney, we've had nothing but cooperation and that has not changed at all. So Tyler's friends and family have spoken about the support they've received during the searches. Rachel said he loved working for the Department of Corrections. That was very clear that he loved his job. His co-workers have been amazing. They've helped a ton with the searches and leading these efforts. And his old military friends have been helping as well. Rachel said that he was a veteran and proud of it. And, you know, he's really close to a lot of the people he met in the military, which has been apparent throughout the searches. Lonnie said it's just been incredible to know that he has developed such a far outreaching of supporters for him. And it's been beautiful in that aspect. And Marshall also spoke about the support that he and the kids had received. He said it's been great to see all of the volunteers, all of the friends that Tyler works with, his family, and complete strangers going out to look for him. I'm truly grateful for everything they have done and the Sheriff's Department has done. Tyler knows that I would be here protecting our kids and it was nice knowing that I could do that and there were people out there helping me. So that up to date is kind of the story of Tyler's disappearance and the searches and everything chronologically. So at this point in the case on December 22nd last year, 2023, 
Marshall made the following statement on social media. I'm going to read it all. It's quite long, but I feel like it clarifies a lot of things and gives a lot of context to the case. Mm -hmm. So it starts with, Tyler was sometimes physically and emotionally abusive towards me. After years of this, we were discussing divorce. His father, Lonnie, was aware of Tyler's abuse towards me. I had retained an attorney and was reviewing the complaint for dissolution. There are recordings that document Tyler was becoming increasingly verbally abusive to me and the boys, and he also told me he would ruin his life. He, sorry, he would ruin my life. He had removed his wedding ring. On the evening of November 3rd, I told Tyler that I would be filing for divorce. Tyler's response prompted me to call 911. Tyler was aware that I was on the phone with 911 dispatcher. He was yelling at me to hang up. I told the dispatcher that I thought he was leaving in his car, but instead he ran out of the garage on foot. Tyler had a domestic violence arrest during a past relationship. He avoided consequences from that arrest through a diversion program. This time, I think he was trying to avoid consequences by running away before deputies arrived. His family was aware of his history and violence in relationships. When the Lancaster County Sheriff's Office responded to my 911 call, I answered their question and gave them permission to search the house and the property. They found no sign of Tyler. The deputies stayed while I packed mine and the boys' things for the night, gathered the dogs, and left the house. Because I expected him to return that evening, the boys and I did not spend the night at home. I did not go looking for him that night, assuming he'd return home overnight. But when he didn't, I called around looking for him, and no one knew where he was. At that point, I called 911 and reported his missing, and then I called his dad. The sheriff's office responded to my call, and I consented to a search of the house and the property. I showed them Tyler's computer and I gave them the hard drive from our home security system. Tyler was the only one who had access to the security system, so I was not able to view or show them the recordings. They later viewed the video of Tyler running from the garage and shared that publicly. Over the following days and weeks, I consented to multiple searches of the house, the property, and another family home and property in the neighborhood. I've assisted them by providing all of the known passwords for all of the family's devices so they could review our digital footprints. Since Tyler ran away, I've focused on the boys and keeping them safe and cared for. Members of my family participated in searches. I've purchased signs at the request of his family. I've answered questions of a private investigator, and I've provided all of the information police have asked me for. His sister Felicia and I worked with a professional dog tracker at our property and neighborhood. The tracker concluded that Tyler ran from the garage, hid in the tree lines east of us, and ends on the street as if he got into a car. I have limited contact with Lonnie and his family after they falsely accused me of not properly caring for the boys. His mother, Shelley, who we have a limited relationship with because of her alcoholism, made recorded threats against me, including, I'll fucking hunt you down. I believe the police, friends, and family were trying to create an environment where Tyler would return. I didn't make any public statements or correct the misinformation that was being put out. I supported that strategy and kept the details of why Tyler ran away from going public. That strategy has not worked. Tyler has not returned. Due to the increasing public statements about my children, I'm no longer willing to stay silent. Neither I or my children had anything to do with Tyler's disappearance. He ran away to avoid the deputies. Although he won't be returning to our marriage, I hope that he's safe and he does return to deal with the circumstances he has caused. I appreciate the extraordinary efforts of the deputies of the sheriff's office and the volunteers and that the volunteers have put into finding Tyler. Thank you to my family, friends and colleagues. Your support means everything to me. It's a difficult time for my family, but I hope you have a blessed Christmas. And he signs at Marshall Vogel, 22nd of December, 2023. So I feel like that answers a lot of questions about the circumstances leading up to the disappearance. Yeah, and apparently we were reading, I guess he felt the need to make this statement because people in 
the Facebook group have really been very critical of him and even the kids, like blaming them, acting like he had something to do with like a murder or whatever happened. Um, I guess there was posts blaming their oldest kid that he did something to Tyler and that Marshall was covering it up. So this is seems like it's one of those ones where it just has a very toxic online community that's really pointing the figure, finger at Marshall or the kids. And I guess that's why he felt the need to finally give this statement. When I listened to the police podcast as well, the founders of the Facebook group did kind of allude to that. They're like, we try and delete any accusations and any anything as quickly as we see them. So I feel like I can understand why he felt the need to make that statement based on the guess the online keyboard warriors and what they've been saying. Yeah, I mean, we've seen firsthand like how toxic and shitty people can be online when they think they're helping to like solve this case, but they're they're really not, and it's just unhinged behavior most of the time. So it's very sad for them. So Tyler's friends and family have made statements about what they believe happened to him. Lonnie has said that he does not believe Tyler is out there alive. He said, I know him too well. Tyler could never do this to us. He could not do it to his friends, his co-workers and his family. My son is dead. He is not missing. His body is missing. Lonnie also said, I just had a birthday. My wife just had a birthday. Tyler would never have missed these occasions. He wouldn't have missed Christmas and Thanksgiving and he will miss it this year, which is obviously last year now. Rachel has said, I think most of us believe somebody hurt Tyler. We don't know why and we don't know if it was a random act. Lonnie agreed and said, I believe that someone took his life and I believe they took his life on the third when he didn't come back home. Somebody did it. Somebody knows. Marshall has said, this is something that nobody would ever even imagine they were going to experience. And so it has been hard because you miss them and love them. Um, Lonnie has said, two things have to happen. His body has to be recovered or somebody has to confess. Somebody has to give out the information they have so we can have closure. And I pray a hundred times a day for that. So... That is kind of it up to date as of kind of mid-January in Tyler's case. He is still missing. I guess in terms of his case, there's four main theories about what could have happened. Um, They are that he ran off to start a new life, that he took his own life, that there was foul play either by a stranger or someone in the family. And I guess the last one is that he was involved in some type of accident, maybe while he was running and he just hasn't been found. I personally, like, obviously I can only go off what has been said by each side of, you know, of the family in this case. And I do believe it sounds likely that Marshall was trying to hide from the deputies last night, uh, that night, sorry, the night that he vanished because of his past domestic violence history. Maybe he thought that this was going to mean a conviction or a charge for him. Or even just he was embarrassed, like he didn't want that getting out about him, didn't want people knowing what was going on. Plus just the whole divorce was probably very overwhelming. And I'm sure you kind of just saw his like life slipping through his fingers in a sense. And even for him to be yelling at Marshall to hang up the phone to 911, like that kind of supports that theory that he didn't want it to get out for whatever reasons. Um, I And I, I'd feel like he must have turned off his phone and either got rid of his watch or, you know, made the watch untraceable after he left. So I personally think he did take his own life and he just hasn't been found yet. Yeah, I agree. I think either that or like something happened where he injured himself, got hurt, ended up passing away. Because I mean, the dad did say the brush and terrain was really bad back there, especially in the dark. So either I think he either killed himself maybe somehow or 
just injured himself. I don't think there's any foul play. I feel like it'd be very hard for there to be foul play. There's so many people online who apparently are very convinced that this was foul play, saying things like, oh, Marshall didn't call police for 13 hours. But Olivia and I were saying, you just got in a fight. You're talking about getting divorced. He ran out. You think that he's probably just out blowing off steam, whatever's going on. I think that probably like 10 hours is maybe that like the next day is when you start to be like, okay, like they didn't come home. Where are they? So I don't think it's suspicious that he took 13 hours to report a missing when he left on his own accord. And especially he took his wallet, he took his phone, like he took things that you would think he would use. So it's not like maybe if he left the house with absolutely nothing, you'd be like, where could he possibly be? But if he had money and cards and a phone, you'd be like, okay, well, maybe he's just gone to blown off steam for the night. He'll be back in the morning. Like I I absolutely agree that that is a a reasonable assumption to make. Yeah. And I think another thing that's gotten people really against Marshall is how earlier when we first started, we were doing like the background. The family like really talks up what a good guy Tyler is. Friends talk about what a good guy he is, how he's like this amazing person. Everyone loves him so much that for a while it seemed like he was just like this great guy. Not to say he isn't, but that's why when Marshall came out with he's actually an abusive situation, a lot of people just like didn't believe it and thought it was some sort of cover up because I feel like we just talked about this on Patreon too. I feel like a lot of people don't understand that just because someone is nice to you or nice to a lot of people or comes off very charming doesn't mean that they're not abusive to someone else. Yeah. So he can be a great guy, a nice guy, but that but to Marshall, whatever was going on at home, it wasn't a great situation. One thing I did make a note of when I listened to the Lancaster County Sheriff's podcast as well is that one of his friends talked about Marshall's, uh, sorry, Tyler's sobriety. They said that Tyler was sober. He had been sober, I think she said, for seven or eight years, which indicates to me that at one point he possibly had some type of either substance or alcohol abuse issue because to make note of your sobriety, that's kind of what that indicates by making a statement like that. That's interesting to me because I didn't know that. I didn't listen yeah. to that podcast. I w- when I was listening, I was like, I wonder if – anyway, so that she actually made a point. I, I, I'm 99% sure she said he'd been sober for seven, eight years. He was really proud of his sobriety. So I wonder if something maybe along those lines had happened. Maybe, like obviously this well, is speculation. Maybe there was some type of relapse. I don't know. When I read this initially – I thought the screams like drugs or something, yeah. the reaction and how how could someone be seen? I know that, like I said, there's ways, but for everyone to talk so highly about him and then as unless it was just all covered up or they were just trying to like cover for the domestic violence abuse like he'd been in trouble for in the past. I was like, what would make him take such a turn? And yeah. I was thinking about that. But again, who knows? He could just be two different people. All right, so that is kind of it for Tyler's story. We will keep you updated if there's any developments. Um, we have been sharing his information a lot on our Instagram stories. I'm, I'm interested to see how the case turns out. But at this stage, like the last articles on the internet were around three weeks ago, which is just before Christmas. So it seems like public interest is, you know, waning a little bit in that one. Yeah. So there is another recent case of another man out of Nebraska. This man is named Jake Clark. He's been missing since December 17th, 2023. So he's now been missing for almost a month. But despite this, there's hardly any information available out there, way less than Tyler's. 
Jake's sister made this post on social media. I'll read parts of it. It says, our charismatic brother Jake has been missing since December 17th after some strange circumstances. Jake lives in Omaha and we believe he was driving to Shula, Nebraska where he works and where his car was found in the middle of the road. We've been told that Jake was pulled over by police three times by Norfolk, Tilden and Columbus police for expired transit tags that night. The last time Jake was seen on video was at Sap Brothers gas station after the third encounter with police. Video shows Jake filling his tank and gas and doesn't include anything out of the ordinary. So there is footage of him. He's literally just standing there filling it up. Looks normal. Um, the post then goes on to say, we have been told that a vehicle was reported abandoned to 911 around 5 a.m. and that the sheriff came out and found Jake's car in the middle of the road running in neutral with the trunk open and the driver's side window broken in. This was on 370 Avenue, Monroe Road in Columbus, Nebraska. So I have also read some other comments online that say a, like a duffel bag of Jake's was found 100 yards away from the car further down the road. Um, his sister goes on to say, Jake spoke with his girlfriend at least once a day and other family members weekly. No one has heard from him since December 17th. No one had the idea that he was depressed or suicidal, basically that he was living in Omaha and working a short drive from where his car was found. Sheriffs say they have exhausted all their resources and that he likely ran away. So their family are disputing that and basically saying, if you have any information, let us know. The sheriff did take a long time to ask for help in this case. So Jake was last seen December 17th around January 5. So weeks after the sheriff released a statement, it was an attempt to locate. It said Jake Antonio Clark of Omaha on the night of 17th of December at approximately 2108. It just basically goes into them stopping him and where he was seen and how they found the car. It says the vehicle was found running, headlights on, interior dome on, trunk open, and the driver's side window broken out. They talk about the duffel bag that was found. They also talk about how they have tried to check his phone. It says it goes to voicemail and that attempts to ping his phone have been unsuccessful as they believe his phone is off. So I looked at a map that shows where Jake went missing and where Tyler went missing because a lot of people have insinuated that there may be something going on in Nebraska, some type of correlation. It's, it's still like about a 90-minute drive between the two. Um, it looks like a fairly straight drive though, like it's the same state. For me, I feel like that's basically the only consistent between the two. Yeah, I I get why people – group cases together like this because they're a little similar missing White guys males. similar yeah. area similar age. but usually like i see nothing else connecting them no i feel for me it's just the state totally different circumstances for both um it does sound like something may have been going on with jake like i could probably see it either way that there was foul play involved considering his car was smashed up but then I could also see that maybe there was something going on, maybe a mental health type crisis. It reminds me a little bit of the Brandon Lawson one. I don't know if you remember that case in Texas where he called 911 and said that people were chasing him and then they found his remains or probably they haven't been identified yet, but they likely found his remains years later. Yeah, or even the one, I don't don't think it's that one, the one where the kid crashed his car and then they just never found him. Yeah, a lot of people have said this is like Jason Landry. Yeah, 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 that one. So there are comments online too that I have read now that there is actually a third man missing. That man isn't missing in Nebraska. He is missing in Iowa. Um, So again, maybe a bit of a reach. I had a look at the map. There's around four hours between where he went missing and kind of where Tyler and Jake went missing. 
someone, this is a comment on Facebook. So this is the third disappearance of a man in this age group within hours of the Lincoln area within a month and a half. David Schultz was a truck diver missing under odd circumstances, Tyler Goodrich and now Jake. So just a little bit of information about David's case because he, all three of these men are still missing as of the time of recording. David went missing from Sac County, Iowa on November 21, 2023. Again, in the same, you know, Tyler went missing early November, then David and then Jake. Uh, David disappeared while transporting a shipment of baby pigs from Eagle Grove to Sac City. He was last seen at 7 p.m. on November 20. The circumstances of his disappearance that he reportedly showed up late in his semi-trailer to pick up the pigs. He left the farm with the pigs on board at around 10.50. He was supposed to take them to the hog buying station in Sac City, Iowa, but he never made it and he hasn't been heard from since. His he was last seen on CCTV at the Iowa Department of Transportation camera at MM126 truck stop on Highway 20, where he stayed for around 16 minutes at 11.15 p.m. He was then seen by a dot camera on Highway 20 west of the truck stop, and that was the last time that he was seen. Cell phone data from David's phone shows that on November 21, he travelled west or across the highway before arriving at the intersection of Highway 20 and 71 Junction at 12.18 a.m. So, again, not far, not long after he was last seen on CCTV. His truck was found abandoned on November 21st, so that same day at 3.04 p.m. The truck was turned off with the key in the ignition. It was left in the middle of the northbound lane near the intersection of D15. They found his wallet and his cell phone, which contained his driver's license and $2,000 in cash inside the truck. And the truck had apparently been parked there since at least 12.40 a.m. So that was found at 3.04 p.m., so a long time. And it still had all the pigs in the truck. Authorities recovered a jacket, a towel, a cell phone charger, and a pocket knife in the ditch on the opposite side of the road. So, again, a very mysterious one with not a whole ton of information. Um, but it is interesting that three men have vanished in a general, the general vicinity in a short time. Yeah, it makes you wonder just because if it's not foul play, it's probably more like a mental health yeah. thing. And I do feel like just in general, we we're even saying this, I think we were, if not, I was thinking it when we talked about the familicides and the various murder-suicides that have been going on. I just feel like a lot of people's mental health is struggling lately. I've heard from a lot of, I don't know if it's seasonal affective disorder, but even just people I know, I just feel like a lot of people are feeling depressed or very anxious lately, especially since these happen kind of around the holiday season. I know that can be a tough time, a stressful time for a lot of people. just makes me wonder, like, what's going on with everyone and with David's case too like I feel like that was also likely it seems to be some type of mental health crisis because if it was a robbery why didn't they take the cash why didn't they take the truck why didn't they take the pigs like there's a whole bunch of things that they could have taken but even to leave the two thousand dollars in cash it just seems um you know unusual if, if it was a robbery or foul play yeah I think a lot of people are just feeling very stressed now yeah, and I feel like to Nebraska and Iowa, am I right in saying this because you can take it out if it's not, but it would be very cold and snowy there, do you think? Yeah, I right? think so. Yeah, so I feel like in the, these areas, Nebraska, Iowa, it's now the dead of winter. I feel like that could explain why if these men are out there somewhere, why they haven't been found yet, maybe ice, snow, you know, hard ground, 
it would make it harder for them to be recovered. Is seasonal affective disorder a thing in Australia since you don't get like winter? Like it we is. Do? I feel like it's not as much of a thing. Like we do, like we do. And some places do get colder and it's gray and dreary. And like, you know, you get, le- I feel like a lot of it is too less sunlight. So yeah. Um, yeah. So we definitely do get it. Not to the same extent, I think, as a lot of places, but yeah, it's definitely still a thing. That's what I was going to say here in the winter, even though it hasn't been as snowy as some years, but there's times where I'm like, I don't even remember when I've last seen the sun. It is gray every day for weeks yeah. sometimes. And I feel like you also don't notice how much of a difference it makes to not like to have the sun until you're actually back in it. You're like, oh, I actually feel a lot better now. It's it's hard to realize when you're in that situation how why you're why you're feeling down, why you're feeling flat, why everything is affecting you so much more. Yeah, and the days are so short. Like yeah. at the peak of winter, it's like some people wake up to go to work in the dark and by the time they get out of work it's dark dark again again, so definitely be a grim time of year kind of reminds me too another episode we did a little while ago i don't know if you remember teddy egg do you remember him he was seen walking away i remember the name yeah and he was ended up being found deceased as well like i feel like a lot of the time people walk or they plan to go somewhere and because of the weather it just isn't going to happen yeah yeah so that is really it for all these cases. There could be updates by the time this episode comes out for any of them since they're pretty current. So if there is, I'll put in clips for any of them here. Put in clips for any of them here. We'll also post updates on our Instagram, anything like that. So make sure you're following us there at True Crime Society. You can also follow our personal accounts. Mine is StephSum underscore Olivia's is TCS Olivia. And if you want to read more about these stories or just refresh your mind, we have blogs written up for them at truecrimesocietyblog.com. So you could check that out as well. And you could see the video or any pictures, all that on there. You could check us out on Patreon as well. We've mentioned that a few times. You could listen ad-free and we do weekly bonus episodes with some other perks as well and as always share the podcast with your friends leave us nice reviews good comments all the nice things share it on your instagram stories is always a great thing to do and we'll reshare it so anything you do to help us out i trust your opinions to do that (laughs) Sorry, my brain is just like literally not working. It's 7 p.m. here. We've been recording for two hours. My brain is is toast. Absolute toast. And I have to go shower after this. Ah, nightmare. (laughs) That's it. Thank you guys for listening. Stay safe out there. Peace out. See ya.